2 Kings chapter 5. I want to share with you today about a man. <laughs> I don't know if I should, now should I preach this? <laughs> but I want to share with you today about a man who had a passion for power. But he had a problem. He had a problem. And this problem that he had was holding him back. It was keeping him from being all he needed to be at that time. You know, the, Jesus says that we're to search the scriptures and they are they which testify of me. The reason for recording such an account, I believe, today is I believe that God wants to teach us something. Today, as we search ourselves, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I the man, am I the person that Jesus was referring to here? So in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 5, I did say, first, did I say 1 Kings? Yeah, I'm sorry. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to start right in the fresh start. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given him deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. There's this problem. And the Syrian had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she, wanted, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went out and told the Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of remnant. And he brought the letter unto the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou may recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, he rent his clothes. Now, I taught this in children's church one time. We were talking about Naaman and his cleansing. And just to tell you where kids' minds are, one of the little kids in the front raised their hand and said, Pastor, why did they rent clothes? I said, no, they didn't rent clothes. They rent clothes. Well, that's what I just said. Why did they rent clothes? I said, no, no, it means they tore them. They rent them, they tore them and that off. Oh, well, why didn't it just say tear? 
See, you see where children's minds are? And, and you have to stop and you have to explain that stuff sometimes. And even, even today, sometimes when you're talking to adults, you have to explain a little bit. And so when it came to pass and the king of Israel had read the letter, he had rent his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man doeth send unto me to recover a man of leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh to quarrel against me. He thought he was being set up. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horse and his chariot and stood before the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash yourself seven times, and thy flesh shall come upon thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. He got angry. And he called to the name of the Lord, his God, strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. So what happens here is he's told to go and he's told to wash himself in the, in the Jordan River seven times. He gets angry because, see, Naaman was a man of respect. He was a man of valor. People listened to him. Naaman had a need. He was not just a captain, but he was a leper. And that being a leper was causing him not to be able to be with his family. See, Ben-Hadad, king, was the king at that point in Syria. And so he had delegates. He had responsibilities. And Naaman had responsibilities. Naaman was a man... Uh, who was in the sight of the king was a great man. Because he said he was a great man. He had valor. He had honor. He was honorable. And he was held in high esteem by the people. People looked up to him. Because he had the power. He had, a, he had the privilege of changing their lives for the good or the bad. But he had a need. He was a leper. You see, when you look at his prominence of being honorable, you can't help but see that he was a leper. You can see his power that he was given to him by the king, but he was still a leper. You see, I think a lot of us take God for granted a lot of times. God grants us a lot of things, but we still have this little thing in our life that some of us have not yielded up yet, and it's called sin. And until we yield up the sin, it's hard for God to do a work in you. It's, God for, it's hard for God to work through you. I can't help but think about Naaman. His last thought at night and his first thought in the morning had to be on his leprosy. See, it probably wasn't really bad at that point in his life. See, leprosy back then is like AIDS today. 
it was incurable. There was no cure for it, and, and it, it would certainly lead to death. People feared it because at a certain point in a leprosy person's life, it becomes contagious. Not in its mild stages, but as it gets worse. And that's why they had little communities or little camps outside the cities where they had to live. They had to live amongst people who had leprosy. They couldn't live in their home. And see, Naaman had a beautiful home, had a wife. And he needed to care for her. He had responsibilities as being a captain. But yet, his leprosy was starting to hold him back. But I can't help but think about how God moved in him. He didn't ask God for help. Did you notice that? He didn't go to God for help. How about in the midst of their many raids upon Israel, they would take servants back to Syria. And those servants would be sold into slavery or they would be given to the Syrian captains and the hierarchies to be servants in their homes. And so in one of the raids, this little girl is brought back and is now made a maid to Naaman's wife to help her, to take care of her, to do what she needed done. And so this little girl witnesses, not to Naaman, but to Naaman's wife. Isn't it awesome how God sometimes directs other people to speak into your life? And that's what's happened here. This little girl didn't ask to be taken from her home and to be brought as a maid to Syria, but that's how God ordained things for her life. She becomes a witness. We know that Syria was neighbor to Israel, to the northeast, actually. And so they would always pay tribute to Israel. So in Elisha's day, Syria was growing in power and frequently conducted raids, as I was saying, and they would take these captives back. But it's ironic that Naaman's only hope to be cured would come from Israel. Our only hope to be saved, our only hope for healing, our only hope for religion comes through Jesus Christ. You see, Sometimes we try to think we can work these things out ourselves, but that's not how God intended things to be. He intended for us to go to him and to, to seek him. But I can't help but think about this little girl. Her compassion and her confidence. The little girl's faith and Naaman's quest contrasted the stubbornness of Israel's king. A leader, a mighty, mighty in Syria, sought the God of Israel. He would go there. Like I said, he didn't go because he knew that's what he needed to do. He was sent. His king said, oh, wait a minute. This little girl talks about a healing that he can get in Israel. So the king of Syria sends forth a letter like a doctor and sends a fee for the healing. Did you notice that in there? That they sent 10 pieces of silver 
all that gold, 10 remnants of clothes. They sent all this to the king of Israel for what? That Naaman would be cured of his leprosy. How does the king of Israel respond? He was upset. He even says, who am I, God, that I make someone dead? I make someone alive? I can't do any of those things. Like, why did you send him here? What's with this letter? What's with this money? What's with the, I can't do a thing for this guy. So he rents his clothes. Why? Because he thought he was being tormented or, or mocked. But then we hear that the prophet hears what's going on with the king. And he says to the king, send him here. So here comes this mighty valor. This, here, comes this, here comes Naaman. He, he's expecting an instant healing, an instant cleansing. So he can go back to his house, back to his country, continue doing the job that God had, had, had placed him to do it in his time. And he goes there. And, he, and as he's there, at the house of the prophet Elisha. And what does he say to him? He doesn't go and address him at all. He sends a servant out to talk to him. Well, that just made Naaman mad. Wait a minute, this guy can't come and see. I'm giving, we're giving silver and gold and remnants of clothes, and this guy can't even come out and address me? How many of us are like that when we go to a store? And you're not satisfied with your product or something. And the little girl or little guy at the counter, he's trying to address the problem that you're having. And you're not getting anywhere. What's the next words out of your mouth? Come on. Where's the manager? Right? You guys can't do anything for it. Get me a manager. You know, I'm so like that. Honestly. When I get on the phone, if I have to get on the phone... And I have to talk to somebody on the phone about a problem. When they pick up and they introduce themselves, they say, how can I help you? My first words are, get me a manager or a supervisor or somebody who can solve this problem. And they'll say, well, what is the problem? Let me see what I can. I said, listen, we're going to spend 40 minutes together on the phone and you're going to tell me you can't do anything for me. So let's just skip all this and put me right to the man that I know that can fix this problem. All right? Isn't that how we are? That's just that's how it is. And so when I have a problem, I don't try to fix it. I look at it and I see how bad the problem is or how maybe how light the problem is. I don't know. But my first thing is I go to Jesus. I'll say, Jesus, this is my situation. Like he doesn't know. He already knows. But I go to him anyway and I say, Jesus, this is my problem. This is my situation. I need your help. I need you to take care of this for me because I can't do it. Tom Cabus asked me yesterday when I was talking to him on the phone, what are you going to preach about tomorrow? And that was around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, I have no idea. He said, what are you waiting on? I said, for God to tell me. That's all I can do is wait on God. He has to pray. So, so as Naaman is here and he's told what to do, he's told, now go wash yourself seven times. Where? In the Jordan River. The nastiest, dirtiest river around. 
wasn't clean. The water in the Jordan River runs very, very slow. I've been there. It runs very slow. And so it's mucky, dirty looking water. And in some parses, uh, parses along the river, it's got stench because it gets hung up. And he's told to go walk in the Jordan River. And he gets upset. He gets mad. He's like, are you kidding me? I came all this way and you're going to tell me to go wash in a dirty river? But his servant said, Master, had he had told you to go and do some great mighty thing, would you have done it? Of course he would have. Because he was trying to bring honor to himself. He was trying to make it about him. Well, sure, I'll do something mighty and great. See, a lot of times we want to do things where we're puffed up and we're out in the limelight. And this is, this is how it is. But Jesus doesn't want his servants like that. Jesus wants his servants to shine for him. I love what Doris had in the right thing. That's why I did so far. I said, wow, this goes right with the message. Talking about shining. Don't shine for yourself, but shine for Jesus. Your shine should be that people see Jesus in you. Not that they see you, but they should see Jesus in you. You see, because none of us are over Jesus. All of us should be doing the same thing. We all should be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as Naaman is told to go and do this, so finally, what does Naaman do? He caves. He doesn't really cave. Once he takes on and ponders what the servants have said. Well, what should I do? So he goes to the Jordan River and he washes him. He, he dunks himself seven times. And what does he do? After the seventh time, I'm sure he's standing beside the river and he's looking at himself and he, and he still sees the problem that he's got. But then he sees and he beholds the glory of the Lord. Because his skin is made new. Like that of a young child. Smooth. Well, I'd love to have skin like that again. No wrinkles. Little chin tuck. The whole thing. You know what I'm saying? A body lift from Jesus. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what he got. Skin made new again. Why? Why? Because he, Elijah said, let him know that there is a prophet in Israel. And when his skin was made new, he was made fresh, he knew that there was a prophet in Israel. See, his faith demonstrated, his faith was rewarded. You see, had he had not done what the prophet had told him to do, he would have never been cleansed. He would have never been made whole. If we don't do what Jesus tells us to do, we have problems. That's the other thing and the right thing I saw this morning. Was she said, if you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. <laughs> I said, Doris Muscle was looking at my notes from last night. But it's so true. If we only pray when we're in trouble, then we're in trouble. You see, we need to be, what the Word of God says to pray what? Without ceasing. 
We're always to be praying. Not just when we're in trouble, but we're to be praying always. It's a simple solution, but it's necessary for our lives. It's our communication with the Father when we begin to pray and we begin to seek the Lord. That's why I figure, and that's why I tell you often, it's a privilege to pray. It's a privilege to seek the Lord in everything that we do. How many of us take time on a daily basis to just plunge into the Word? Just to take time and just begin to read the Word of God and say, this is what God wants me to do. This is what God wants me to see. You know, I was talking with my son-in-law last night and we were talking about messages and he said so what do you when you get a message what what is your point what do you try to get across I said I don't get anything across I said nobody listens to me he said what you mean you go to church and nobody listens to you you spend all this time nobody listens I said nobody listens to me I hope they're not he said what now you hope they don't listen to you I said absolutely I said I hope they're listening to the words of the Lord I said, because the message has to be inspired. The message has to come from him. It has to be about him. It has to be something that impacts our life, that changes us from the inside out. Naaman was changed from the inside out. Not only did he understand that he was doing, he was going by faith and doing what the prophet had told him to do, but by doing what he was told to do, it took faith. He had to get past his anger. He had to get past his stubbornness. He had to get past all of his high and mighty. And he had to understand that he had to yield to the Holy Spirit. Church, we have to yield to God. We have to yield to the Holy Spirit every single day of our lives. Because we can't do it otherwise. If you try to lean on yourself and do it your own way, it doesn't ever work. Troubles keep coming. And, you know, I don't know if it may be any, any, anybody in here ever having problems? Anybody got problems besides me? We got some problems in here? Well, guess what? I know the problem solver. His name is Jesus. And whenever those problems come, whenever those things come that, that, Try to wreak havoc in your home. Give them over to Jesus. Because he has a way of leveling it all out, making it smooth. There are... There were some radio shows I used to listen to in the mornings. That I quit listening to. I usually listen to them once in a while. Different stations here and there. But when they do things or say things that contrast or go against what I believe in the Word of God, I have to stop listening. I'm not perfect. In no way am I perfect. But I know what my Word says. I know what the Word of God says. And I know what Jesus wants me to do. And I know that Jesus says, don't put things before your ears that you don't need to hear. Don't put things before your eyes that you don't need to see. 
Now, I know when we're out in public, you see things you wish you would have never saw. I've been down that road many times. I'm a delivery driver. And I'm thinking, my heavens, I thought I've seen it all. It's crazy. And every time I, I try to avoid the news now, because every time I turn, just when I think I've heard the worst of the worst, there's something new. But again, these things are going to keep happening until Jesus returns. They have to happen until he returns. And every time I see it, I say, well, Jesus has got to be here any minute, any second. This can't continue. As long as there are men on the earth who continue to ignore the words of the Lord, things are going to continually get corrupter, Worser if there's such a word. I don't know that there's such a word as worser. But, but they are. Things are going to continually deteriorate until Jesus returns. But what does he call us to do? He calls us to stand steadfast. We're to, we're to stand upon the word of God. We're to not waver. We're not to lean to the left or to the right. We're to stay strictly and focused on the word of God. Doing everything that he has called us to do. He's not given us the privilege as Christians to lean to the left or lean to the right, so to speak. We should, a lot of us need blinders. Amen? I mean, we need, to, we need these things because we, we see a little something over here, a little something, and then we try to fix these things and we lose our focus. Our focus, church, every day has to be Jesus' word. Our, Naaman had a problem, leprosy. We have a problem today called sin. And if you want the sin removed, call upon Jesus because he has the power to remove those sins by the cleansing of his blood. The shedding of his blood on the cross for you and for me gives us the ability to have those things removed from our life. And we have such a wonderful Lord that he has the ability to forget. How many can say amen? amen. <laughs> I can say amen for sure. You see, he has the ability to forget about all those sins that you've committed. He says that he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. So when we confess our sins to the Lord, he cleanses us, he washes us, he makes us whole. He forgets. I'm not saying that the world has forgotten, but he has forgotten. And that's the only one that matters to me. That's the only one that matters to me is him. Because he has the final word. Somebody said, well, how do you know he has the final word? Because when he opens the Lamb's Book of Life, if your name is not there, he's had the he had the final word. Depart from me, I know you not. Who has the final word? Jesus has the final word. Church, I don't know about you, but Naaman had a problem. And it took Naaman to become humble, to become broken in his contrite spirit 
to fall into the will of God. Church, we have to fall into the will of God. And sometimes we have to be broken to do that. He never wants us to be hurtful. He never tries to hurt. Jesus never hurts. But we have to. We have to. To become more like him, we must be humble. We must be humble in ourselves and everything that we do. Because he's the only one that matters. Father, I thank you today for your word. Lord, I thank you this morning that we can come to you with a humble spirit. Lord, I pray this morning, let us be broken. Let us become humbled. Father, yielding to you every part of our life. Lord, if there be sin within us, Father, let us repent. Let us come to our Savior, our Lord Jesus, the one who died on the cross for our sins and our transgressions. The one who paid a price that no other man can pay. Lord, you have the ability to forget. And Lord, this morning as we humble ourselves to you, Lord, let us be cleansed. Let us be washed. Let our hearts become white as snow. Lord, that when we go into our communities, into our places where we leave, when we leave from here, Lord, let people see Jesus in us. Let your light shine from us that those that we come in contact with want to know more about you. And Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord God, most of all for the privilege of being your servant, having an intimate relationship with you. Lord, allowing me to spend time with you every day just to acknowledge who you are. Lord, I pray for this congregation. I pray for those who are watching. Lord, touch their hearts. Let them become servants of the Most High God. Let them follow after you. You direct them. For Lord God, you have cleansed them. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray today. And all of God's children said, Amen.